Welcome everyone to our latest edition of our NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz. Pleased to be joined by three presidents. Jerry Moorhead, he is the president of the University of Georgia. Bulldogs, of course, had a major win the other night in Indianapolis to win the national championship over Alabama in the SEC. He's also the chair of the Division I Board of Directors. Dr. Stephen Shirley, he's the president of Minot State and the chair of the Division II President's Council. And a return guest, uh, Dr. Fanny's Miller, she is the president of Hamlin and she's the chair of the Division III President's Council. Uh, I wanna start off our conversation with the convention uh, next week in Indianapolis. Um, obviously major changes are afoot. Uh, and I will start with you, Jerry. Uh, why now? Well, I think we've gone through a long and deliberative process uh, with our Constitution Committee under the able leadership of former Defense Secretary Robert Gates. Uh, and uh, we recognize that uh, our membership is ready for change. And this document uh, that uh, has been um, worked on for many, many months and has gone through several iterations uh, is the vehicle by which uh, we can ultimately bring about transformative change in the NCAA. You know, I, I would I would echo that and, and just add that, you know, now is the time that I, I think I think society writ large expects this from us. I, I think external pressures that are out there expect this from us. I think we ourselves within the NCAA, the the institutions, the conferences, the, the colleges and universities, our, our fans, our supporters uh, expect uh, some change. And so uh, I absolutely applaud the work that's gone into this over the last six months. And we're, we're getting towards that that really important vote next week, as you referenced, and, and now is absolutely the time to act. Well, why now? Is because the NCAA today is not what it was 25 years ago. The constitution that was written in 1996 reflects a reality that is no longer the reality of today. Uh, it does not include the voice of students, and it's time to recognize that students need to play a more, a more uh, prominent role in the, CA, in, in the NCAA. So it was time to take a look at what we're doing and change what, it is, what we're doing, but it also the pressures that are out there that's impacting the NCAA and how we operate. It's important that we take control of our future. We take control of our destiny and not leave it to someone else. So it was, the time was now to do it, given everything that's going on. It's important that we lead the effort, not someone else. So one thing that I think uh, a lot of people on the outside world uh, sometimes forget that this is not from an athletic side, uh, it's not a professional league, there isn't a union of players uh, and there isn't a commissioner. Uh, and yet we still have to just drill that down. Uh, and that within division three, two, one, there are so many different institutions, different missions, different budgets. Uh, and yet in the past, to your point, uh, Dr. Miller, it had been as almost as if here is one size fits all. Uh, at what point, Dr. Miller, and I'll start with you and we can go around if you, if you don't mind, uh, Dr. Shirley and Jerry, if you could piggyback here. When did you notice that there needed to be a change from the status quo? Well, I think we've noticed for some time that the that it needed to happen. 
But I think with, with NIL, it pushed us to, to think a little differently, a little faster than I think we were ready, even though we knew we needed to change. So I think NIL really uh, pushed us in a direction to, start, to step back and take a look that we need to do something very different because the rules as they currently exist, uh, we're, not we're not reflecting the needs of our students very well. You know, I, I, I don't know that I can identify one specific point in time. I, I think uh, Dr. Miller's spot on there with, with the, the impact that NIL had. I, I think, you know, other just uh, societal things going on around us, uh, whether that's technological changes with, uh, uh, you know, so, social media and various impacts that that can have on, on how uh, uh, folks are communicating with one another and, and different relationships that that can, that can create uh, transfer rules and, and policies with students athletes obviously there's been some significant changes there in the last few years uh, just a really an accumulation of a number of things and I think we, we frankly got to a tipping point and and whether that tipping point was you know in in July of 2021 or June of 2021 or when that may have been but um, clearly a lot of different things were, were starting to mount and you know it's just a, a reality of, of uh, keeping up with the times and, and not uh, you know continuing to work with a document that was a quarter of a century old and recognizing it is time and now is the time. From Division One perspective, I think we've been overtaken by a number of events and uh, the NCAA in its current structure just has uh, too many uh, layers of bureaucracy and it's too hard uh, for the uh, current structure uh, to respond to those events. And as uh, Dr. Miller pointed out NIL is a great example of our inability to quickly respond uh, to a situation that has become increasingly uh, challenging. Uh, you can't pick up uh, a newspaper or read a story online where there isn't another controversial uh, issue related to NIL. And we don't really have mechanisms that allow us to easily and quickly address those issues. Enforcement problems at the division one level has uh, become something that has created great uh, frustration among our membership as how long those proceedings go on uh, and the varying results uh, that we see. And that is a, a negative reflection on the enforcement staff. They're all great people that do great work, but they're bound by, you know, a rule book that is often cumbersome and difficult to interpret. And uh, so I think we all saw this as an opportunity to begin a process of streamlining uh, our organization uh, having um, fewer rules, but making sure the important rules are uh, followed uh, and enforced and making sure at the end that we're focused on our student athletes. So to that point, let's shift to the process because, you know, it's hard like within the SEC to get 14 schools to agree, let alone 350 schools in division one and then add all the schools in D2 and D3 to agree on something. So with that as the backdrop, Jerry, I'll start with you now. What do you see as the process of ensuring that 
the new constitution gets passed uh, and that we have a, a, a new NCAA? Well, I, I give a lot of credit uh, to the folks that put this NCAA Constitution Committee together uh, because it had a variety of perspectives, uh, individuals with expertise in, uh, in areas that were important uh, to the deliberation process, uh, people that had uh, experiences uh, that could come to bear on creating this uh, document. And as you know, it went through various iterations. It was published, there was comment, then there was more comment, uh, modifications have been made. Uh, so I think the document that we currently have is maybe one that's not perfect from the perspective of, of a member in, in D1, D2, or D3, but it's a document that reflects collectively an effort to reach a consensus. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I wasn't part of the Constitution Committee, so I wasn't privy to a lot of those those conversations and so forth. But but again, if you kind of take a look back to, to when we as as a board of governors uh, made the decision last summer to to move forward with 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 this plan to to, to move forward with 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 the new Constitution, um, you think about Chairman Gates and and the members of that committee, and the you know thinking about this last summer, it seemed like moving mountains. Uh, I mean, this is this is a major major task, and and in the time frame that that we really thought was we needed to get this done, and and the work that the committee did, and and led by Chair Gates, and getting through that, and then getting to mid November when we had the the Constitution, the the virtual uh, convention uh, on the Constitution, and um, each of the divisions having an opportunity with to, to meet within their their groups and, and association wide and and then a chance for feedback and and for more reflection on that and and certainly there were some tweaks that were needed and there were some changes and there were some things that that I think there was some good feedback coming out of that and in the ensuing weeks and then getting into December when 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 we ultimately have gotten you know something ready now for January um, it, we didn't get to mid-November at that convention, at that constitutional convention, and there wasn't, you know, complete upheaval and saying, oh my gosh, this work, throw this out, you have to start all over, this, this is not, you know, this was really on track, some some minor tweaking, some changes, some things that, that I think were important to bring forward, but I think that that sort of was the proof and the, 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 the pudding there that, my goodness, that, that was a lot of monumental work done in, in about four months time that, that uh, to my hat's off to, to all of those folks and to get us here. And again, I think it's also, a, there's a real fine balance between moving, acting quickly, moving expediently, um, but not, you know, completely in haste, uh, doing it also in, a, in a, that results in a product that, that's really high quality. And I think that's exactly kind of that was the, the needle was threaded here. So um, uh, it, it'll be exciting next week in Indianapolis and to continue moving forward after that. You know, serving on the committee, I will say it was a difficult process, but an amicable process. I think that all the divisions were looking for change and looking for how do we structure our own identity within the, within the context of the NCAA. This constitution allows us each division to structure its own, own identity within that context. I will have to say, if we think the work is done, it's not. We still have lots more work to do. And we have work to do, we're continuing to do up until the time of the vote. 
um, we had a, a, a constitution advisor group that we put together from the beginning, D3 did. So we would get input along the way so that people wouldn't be surprised by some of the things that were coming out so that we could begin to address the concerns that were there, knowing that some concerns, they were gonna remain concerns because there was nothing we could do about it. However, there were other things that we could do that was, I think in the, the division three have been wanting for a long time. Uh, you know, I, I spent the majority of my academic career in division one. So now I'm in division three. So I understand one and three in my own way. And what you what you notice immediately is that no, 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 you know, Jerry, I, I consider him a, a, a colleague in so many ways, but but division one has overshadowed two and three. And, and so the public, when they see the NCAA, they only think there's division one. They don't think that there's division two and three. This constitution for division three allows us to have that identity to support the other divisions, but also to do things that benefits our student athletes in the way in which we need it done. So, and I think that's true for one and two. So I think, the, you know, we, we're hoping for the best. Um, I'm really optimistic that this is going to, to pass, but the road has not been easy. Um, but I'm really proud of the committee and the fact that we were colleagues in every sense of the word and worked together to get us to where we are. So I thank my colleagues for the work. All right, so to that point, and I'm not expecting you to give me a, a full laundry list here, but if you can each, you know, I just wanna piggyback on what you said, the identity. Uh, I'll start with you again, uh, Dr. Miller, and then we'll go three, two, one here. What should the identity be of Division Three athletics? Well, I, I think our identity has always been, and, and, I, and I'm not so sure it's different from, from, one, from one and two, um, that doing, I mean, the, the identity has been focused on the student athlete. How do we ensure the best possible experience, uh, not only in terms of athletics, but in terms of developing them as leaders, that whether it's in the sport, in the area of athletics, or in whatever field they choose to locate themselves. So it's really making sure that we're, we're helping to create people who are strong and committed and contributing members of a civil society. So our focus is always on how do we develop that student athlete in all the positive ways that we possibly can. So that's been the, the, the doing the best we can for the student athlete has been the identity for D1 and remain D3 and remains the identity for D3. Yeah, the, the only thing I'd probably add to that and, and maybe just a different way of, of saying it, but one of the things we really focus on in division two is life in the balance, sort of this concept of, of having that, that, that fine balance between those student athletes, what they're able to do both in the classroom and on the court or, or on the field or whatever it may be. And, and that, that balance really is important. It's important to, to our institutions, our 300 plus institutions in division two, but it's also important to those student athletes. And, 
you know, beyond that, when you get onto the, the athletic experience, providing a, a absolute top-notch high quality championships experience, we focus a lot on the, on the championships piece of things and, and ensuring that students have those kinds of, 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 of uh, high level experiences as well. But, uh, and again, I think that, that a lot of that is, is reflected um, in, in the new constitution, in the verbiage in the new constitution and in the, the hallmarks and the principles therein on, um, on that sort of life in the balance piece on student mental health and wellness and well-being and, and a lot of those uh, important pieces and also giving students more of a voice on the on the board of governors and, and some of uh, those kinds of I think real tangible meaningful changes as well so so I see an awful lot within the uh, the new constitution that I think fits in really nicely with the the principles and hallmarks of, of, of all three of our divisions but but certainly for, for division two in, in particular. Oh, I agree with everything that Dr. Miller and Dr. Shirley have said. I, I would just add that the new constitution is going to give each division the ability uh, to develop uh, a structure uh, that allows its member institutions to achieve those goals uh, that have been uh, articulated and to address some of the critical issues that uh, have uh, reached uh, the forefront of college athletics in the last few years. All right, last question here for each one of you. Put your crystal ball out here. Uh, we're going to go five, ten years. I mean, what does Division Three in the NCAA look like, Doctor Miller? Oh my, um, that's a really hard question. <laughs> a good question, but a hard question. Um, I, I, I think that we are an autonomous body that has rules uh, and expectations that are student-centered in every possible way. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the things that we've talked a lot about within Division Two as we move forward here, and I, th I think it has some immediate impact, but it also has some, you know, some five and ten-year impact. To, back to your 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 uh, crystal ball question, but um, you know, one of the things that we really value coming forward with this this new proposed constitution is again the the autonomy, some of the flexibility uh, within Division One, Two, and Three to each create our our own identity. But but per, in Division Two, and and I don't want to speak for the others, but there, there are also an awful lot of, of services and things that come from the national office and, and that, that we rely heavily on, um, whether that's health and safety protocols. It's been really important the last couple of years through COVID. It's, it's concussion research. It, you know, you can go on and on down the list where they've got some wonderful expertise in Indianapolis at the national office. And so kind of that balance and being able to ensure we're, we're continuing to, to have access to and to utilize those resources as well. And so sort of that fine balance. And I think that's going to take a little of time, you know, to, to, to get to that point where it ends up at that really nice, um, happy medium that makes a lot of sense for Division Two with that autonomy, but also uh, still having access and utilizing those resources at the national office to benefit our student athletes. Well, for Division One, I, I could answer that question uh, easier next August because we've named a Division One transformation committee. It will be under the leadership of SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey and Ohio University Athletic Director Julie Cromer. And that transformation committee's task uh, will be to set out uh, the new roadmap for Division I, assuming the Constitution passes next week. 
and they'll spend the next several months seeking input from all members uh, of Division One and developing uh, the framework uh, and the future for Division One. So it would be premature for me to speculate at this point, but I think it will be a more efficient and a more uh, responsive organization. That, that I am certain of. There's one thing that's important to me, and I think important to my colleagues, is that we want to see the NCAA remain our parent organization. Mm -hmm. We see that as our anchor. Division three sees that as our anchor. Well, and I appreciate you saying that because I also thought what Dr. Shirley said is so true. And we've done so many shows on that is the, like I said, the general public and the membership don't fully grasp all the things that occur sort of out of that Indianapolis office, like concussion research, like health and safety protocols that may not necessarily be mandates, but certainly are uh, suggested, advised, and they've done the legwork for then the institutions or the conferences to take that information going forward because someone has to do that at some point. Um, you know, and that's my whole thing. You know, you still need someone to do the work, even though you may want to go off on your own. So I agree with all of you on that. And I think that we're, uh, we're going to still see that anchor firmly planted in the ground. Well, I appreciate all of you. And next week is the NCAA convention. We'll have the show in person on the road in Indianapolis. Uh, so as always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series where all our social series are archived. Stay safe, everyone.